We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday... Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome in to the Roadwire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, November 11th, 2016. Yeah, it's 2016. Otherwise known as Veterans Day, Shannon. Yeah. Um, please. A hearty salute to everyone who served. A hearty salute to everyone who served. Thank you. Shannon here. Ken here right as well. Ken, let's hear that whistle. Freedom isn't free. That's what I like to, to say on Veterans Day. Freedom isn't free. Ken is full of quotes. He's going to end this podcast with a quote like he always does. This podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You can also find it on Audio Boom or the rotowire.com website itself. 
Uh, let's jump right into it. We're going to talk Friday DFS um, like we always do. We're going to talk some broader topics. We're also going to talk about players that we're worried about. We've seen you know roughly 8 to 10 games out of everybody so far this season. The panic meter should be starting to set in on a certain amount of players. We'll go over some of those players that we're a little bit concerned about. But before we do that, let's jump into some breaking news. Uh, Ken, somebody you know well, Bradley Beal. Uh, long injury history, and it appears yeah. that maybe he's back on that train this season already. Yeah, and actually it's funny. They came out earlier. Brooks said he didn't want to play Wall in both games of uh, this back-to-back tonight and tomorrow. Uh, now that they're probably not going to play Beal today, instead we're going to see Thomas Sadoransky getting his first ever NBA start at shooting guard. We assume that means Wall will start tonight, and then Wall might sit, and we'll see Beal tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, for a guy with a heck of a lot of uh, injury histories, still got paid, still got that big contract. Uh, But for a Wizards team already struggling, this is really bad news. Sadoransky is, uh, just so everyone knows, he did make one spot start for John Wall earlier this year. Didn't do much with it. Um, He's a – I won't even consider him for DFS. Um, It's just not enough production even with the minutes. Yeah, 32, 32 minutes against Boston, still only got four points, four boards, but a pleasant four assists. But over 32 minutes, come on. And the start came on uh, November 5th against Orlando. That was eight points, two, two rebounds, and three assists. I just, with 30-plus minutes, you would hope somebody could get, yeah, at least 25 fantasy points, and he hasn't done it. So even as a minimum price player, it's hard for me to go with him. Last night, Dwayne Wade returned to South Beach. Uh, got a nice nice welcome from there. Did not have that great of a game. Ended up having a crucial flop at the end of the game to save that for the Bulls. The Bulls win 98-95. But the long-term impression of this game, Goran Dragic uh, left the game and did not return after spraining his ankle, Ken. Yeah, and uh, I saw it live. It didn't look that bad, uh, but... Um... They did sit him for the rest of the game. It looked really bad at first. Basically, he stepped on someone's foot on a fast break, um, rolled it pretty badly. He's grimacing a lot initially, but then looked a lot better when he hobbled, hopped off. You know, they didn't have to send two players out there to carry him. Um, but definitely a game time decision that we'll have to check out. Also, last night, though, uh, Josh Richardson in the second game back uh, shot fairly well. Uh, got, you know, he might get a lot more minutes. With Dragic out, but Richardson, uh, mostly in the second half, drained four three-pointers, shot six of 13. You know, he missed the first, I think, six games of the season. This was his second game back. Uh, Sorry, first five games of the season, second game back. I like him on some waiver wires, especially if you need some three-point shooting. But, boy, the Heat really can't afford to lose uh, Dragic, can they? No, they can't. And Richardson definitely makes for an interesting play with Drogic missing time. I also really, really like Tyler Johnson. Uh, he's already been great this year. I mean, it, he's come off the bench, I believe, every game, and he's, he's still averaging 14.4 points, four and a half rebounds, 1.4 threes, 1.3 steals. I mean, that's across the board production. He's played like a top 75 player. He's still only owned in 56% of Yahoo leagues. So season long oh, I'm leagues, surprised it's that low. I know. It's amazing. So season-long leagues, if, if Tyler Johnson's available, 10-team, 12-team leagues, he's definitely worth consideration. It all depends on who you're dropping, but 
I'm picking him up in most of my leagues. If I mean, he's not available in any of my leagues, but if he were, I would be scooping him up. <laughs> right. I assume I assume Richardson with his injury history is a lot more available. I haven't I don't have that at my fingertips here. And he's a lot more one dimensional, so to speak, than Johnson. Johnson's going to get you more assists, more steals. And I think Richardson, he still has admitted recently he's not quite in game shape yet, um, but and but will will be soon. And Richardson is available um, or is only owned in 34% of Yahoo League. So widely available. I mean, he's a, he's a knockdown three-point shooter. So that's really where he's going to hold a lot of his value. You know, Shannon, you said that Tyler Johnson was a top 75 player so far this year. And he's actually top 50. And in some leagues, depending on which leagues you're in, a top 25. Not after last night, but that's mostly because he went into last night shooting the ball above 50% from the field for a point guard point guard eligible player and then above 90 percent from the line obviously after last night's somewhat poor shooting performance those numbers went down to to uh, 49 and 83 respectively but I mean you have to factor those in and just you know if you're considering between a couple different players that should push him over the edge as somebody with guard eligibility shooting near 50 percent definitely the percentages are key and and that's great for a guard Um, one one thing to note about Johnson as well is if if Drogic does miss time, he's going to see control of the ball more, and he's going to pick up more assists. He's only averaging 2.1 assists per game right now, but that's because of the role he's being deployed in. He's yeah. the scorer off the bench. He's going to need to create more for his teammates if Drogic is out. I'll tell you something else crazy about that Bulls heat game last night. And clearly, um, the Bulls had decided, we want Sideshow Rob Lopez taking a lot of shots inside. I've never seen Robin Lopez this uh, aggressive. He had a career. He matched his career high of 20 attempts last night. So even with Whiteside in the paint, they clearly wanted to exhaust him some on defense, uh, and it worked. It worked. I mean, Lopez had 16 points and nine boards, um, but some of those were some surprisingly easy layups where Whiteside did look awfully exhausted at the end of that game. Whiteside had 20 and 20, a great statistical game but did not control the paint like you'd want him to. Uh, It was just a very interesting tactic the Bulls took. If you had said going into the game, Lopez will get 20 attempts, you know, you would have laughed at somebody. Definitely. And a couple of uh, interesting notes about Whiteside. He actually, he had 18 and 18 going into the fourth quarter. So he definitely was gassed. He didn't do anything in the fourth quarter, despite playing minutes in the fourth quarter. Um, And also, while Whiteside racks up tons of blocks, He's actually not that good of a, a defender. He's good at blocking oh, yes. shots, but <laughs> I actually think we'll see more teams take advantage of him down low on the block. And and the interesting thing here too is let's not forget Dwayne Wade played with Whiteside a bit. Like I think that this strategy might have actually been hinted at or suggested by Wade. Go down low. Right. I know his weaknesses. I know maybe he's not the most fit guy in the world. Robin Lopez should not be shooting 20, 20 attempts <laughs> per game. And right. that should, like you guys have noted, that, that should raise a red flag and say, what's going on here? And the extraordinary thing going on here is that Wade knows the pressure points on that Miami Heat team. And I think yeah. he deployed his own strategy based on his knowledge of his former team. Well, Whiteside, he just kind of strikes you as the guy who does a lot of poor cheap help out defense to get the stat stuffing block getting himself out of rebounding position anyway you know and they don't have a great power forward who can hide white sides mistakes when he makes the wrong help out decisions so uh you know statistically hey white side's great for fantasy but for winning games 
uh, yeah, he needs to play better D. I agree there. Yeah, and the funny thing is there was, just real quickly, and we'll move on to some broader topics, but you know, three players signed four years, $100 million approximately. You had Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gobert, and Steven Adams. And I think initially everyone kind of leaned torn towards Whiteside being the best value. In the long term, I mean, if teams start, you know, I mean, Robin Lopez is not a good scorer down in the paint. Like, he can do a little bit, but not a lot. If you send somebody who's actually legitimate to do that against Whiteside to the point where you actually have to sit Whiteside because he's a liability on defense, believe it or not, you might actually see somebody like Rudy Gobert or Steven Adams be more valuable on that contract, even though off the bat it seemed like Whiteside was the better value. I will. I'll, I don't even think this is a hot take. You're going out on a limb. Rudy Gobert is a better player than Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside's a better fantasy player, but right. Rudy Gobert is a better right. basketball player. If you want to win games, Gobert is the way to go. All right. All right. Not as hot take as I thought. Glad you guys are in agreement. Let's talk about uh, another game last night. The Pelicans getting their first win of the season, coming into M- Milwaukee and taking care of business. Of course, at the center point of this happening was Anthony Davis, who's been on fire all season long, but his amazing performances haven't translated to wins. The Bucks are now four and four, three and two at home. Have played quite a bit of home games, considering they're four and four overall. I mean, how much do you read into this? Can New Orleans really take a step here and, and make a jump forward? Can or is this more so saying you know the Bucks just really aren't that good of a team, and New Orleans was bound to get a win eventually? Uh, bound to get a win eventually, and yeah, I we've been beating the drum all last season about the lack of outside shooting. Uh, I know that Shannon, you think Parker though is suddenly developing an outside shot, uh, but I, you know, to me this is just another red flag about the Bucks. But Shannon, what do you what do you think about the Bucks offense and where it's going? Well, you know, one thing to know is it was a it was an off game for Giannis. Um, you know, he only had one assist. You're not going to see that. He was negative thirteen plus minus. You're not going to see that very often. He's usually going to be better than that. I didn't personally watch the game, so I'm not sure what the Pelicans were doing that might have caused him fits. Um, but it's hard. It's going to be hard for the Bucks to win games when Giannis is off like that. They really need him and Parker both to lead the team. I mean, the rest of the starting five is Miles Plumley, Tony Snell, and Della Vadova. When when that's the three of you know, I was sho- I'm shocked that Snell's getting this. I, why is Snell getting this much run? I, I mean, I, I I'm I'm confused by. I mean, he's a decent perimeter defender, so that probably yeah. plays into it. But I mean, you look at what he's done in 30 plus minutes for the last handful of games, and it's not much. So can't it, shoot. No, he, he cannot. I, you know, it's in the job description: shooting guard. You should be able to shoot. <laughs> you know, I I guess it's just lack of other options, but. Yeah, the rest of that starting five makes me kind of wince. I do think one of the things about uh, the Pelicans is Anthony Davis had a great game, and that's pretty much been the standard this season. Yep. But the rest of the team played up, play, played played well last night and had quality games as well. Terrence Jones started. Uh, he had 10 points, 7 rebounds. Uh, you had Tim Frazier go for 15, 10, and 5, and Etwan Moore went for 20 points. You know That hasn't really been the case for that team. Ha- they haven't got much production outside of Anthony Davis and, and Tim Frazier having a handful of good games. So it was really, I think, the extra help that led them to victory last night. Yeah, I, I'm probably most surprised, not that New Orleans got the win, but by Jabari Parker's performance. And, and 33 points, 9 rebounds, chipped in an assist, a steal, and a block apiece. 
in that this team really needs a playmaker, and they were hoping that he would be that last year. That didn't really happen, of course, with Chris Middleton maybe not even playing at any point this season. They really need Parker to step up. Giannis is just kind of Giannis. You know, if you actually give the ball to Giannis and you need two points, I'm not so sure that Giannis is your guy. I think somebody needs to step up like a Jabari Parker to say, you know, we've got five seconds left in the game. Go for it. I mean, we've seen Giannis kind of try and fail in that kind of clutch gene uh, moment. And, you know, I think this is a breath of fresh air for the Bucks that they are seeing Parker step up, in, you know, when they need him. That said, this team still has a lot of figuring out to do, and their best versions of themselves are not even going to have these three starters down the road. You're not going to have on a good team, a good Milwaukee team in three years, Plumlee, Delavadova, or Snell starting. Um, so, I mean, a lot of figuring out to do for a team that seemed to be on the rise just two years ago. Uh, back to my back to my Snell rant. If Snell's in there for defense, how do you excuse him giving up 20 points to Etwan more? How? Totally agree, Ken. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I want to I want to dive into Parker a little bit more because I've been really impressed with the way he's playing, especially the past handful of games um, on the season. He's he's taking two and a half, three pointers per game, hitting one, three, shooting 42 percent from downtown. This is a guy who last year only took half a three pointer per game and shot 25 percent. He has really shown strides with his three point shot. And, and to me, that's just so intriguing because that was one one thing the Bucks lacked it. They, oh, they need they the so need it, so need it. And then and then also, just it's such a boon to to his fantasy value. Um, it, it's gotten even better. He's been he's been great the last five games. He's averaged twenty three points, six and a half rebounds, one point two steals, and one point four three pointers. So the interesting thing that came out from last year that kind of leaked out of Milwaukee is that. The, fran- the, the team actually kind of told him not to shoot three-pointers last year. And for a guy that was actually pretty legitimate shooting three-pointers at Duke, obviously the line moves back in the NBA, I, I never understood that. I know that's something that I, I was kind of puzzled at. But obviously whatever that restriction one ha- has been lifted, and I think by the end of the season he could be in, like a very good three-point shooter. But, I mean, he just doesn't have any experience doing it. And the fact that he's already showing you know strides, leaps, and bounds within the first eight or ten games, I think it's only going to get better from here on out because he had virtually no experience shooting that shot last year. Yeah, coming out of college, my comp for him was always Carmelo Anthony. That's who he reminded me of when I watched him play. Um, and then the first couple years, yes, he, he dealt with injury, but basically we were kind of limited just seeing him dunk the ball all the time. Um, he's still doing plenty of that, but I think it's great to see that his game extend out to the three-point range, and I think I agree with you. I think it'll continue. Um, he can average one-and-a-half three-pointers per game on a decent you know, 38 40% uh, percentage there. All right, so let's move on to players we're worried about, we're concerned about. Like I said, we're an eighth of the way into the season, essentially. So we can start to look at some players and, again, put that panic meter on and start to freak out. So let's do it, Ken. And let's start with, we, we've been talking about the Pelicans, and I see on your list here, you have Buddy Heald. And I think this is a classic candidate for, let's start to be concerned about Buddy Heald, even though he is a rookie. Yeah, I mean, heading into the season, there to me, there were some really great indications that Heald could have a wonderful rookie year. First, I love it when a guy stays in college for four years. Uh, you know, it really gets him to work on the fundamentals before heading into the pro game. So he wasn't just thrown into the deep end of the pool without much experience. He shot 50% his senior year at Oklahoma. That also seemed like a nice, you know, a great sign heading in. And it isn't happening at all. He can't beat out... 
Etwan Moore, you know, and he's coming off the bench now. Last night, he, you know, he only got 16 minutes of run. Uh, if anything, you've got more, you know, uh, Evans is going to come back. Holiday is going to come back. So minutes might be a little harder. Now is when I expected to see him shine. And uh, he's, he's not even shooting 35% yet. That's scary. Um, I, I just so disappointed in Buddy. I'm actually going to take the other side of that and say I'm, I'm disappointed in his early season progress but long term like just this season long term I'm not worried about him um, mainly because this team's so bad that eventually they're going to hand over the reins to him I, of course Anthony Davis will, will still be alongside him as as the main member uh, of that team and the primary focus on offense but Heald's leash will get longer and longer and longer as the season goes on um, he has done a little bit better the last handful of games he's averaging 12 points four rebounds over the past five Shooting percentage is a concern, 37%, only uh, 29% from downtown. But he's chucking up a ton of threes. I mean, seven and a half threes per game over that that five-game stretch. I think he's going to find his legs and really be a decent player the second half of the season. So if you can can stomach that and keep him stashed away, essentially, um, he'll be a quality player for you. Yeah, two things uh, specifically show me that there's a light at the end of the tunnel for Heald. Um, first he's shooting almost 86% from the free throw line. And what that tells me is he's not completely paralyzed by, you know, the NBA lights and he's not out there completely lost. I mean, at least he's able to retain, you know, something to, 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 to tell him, you know, like I, I belong here. I can do this. I just need to improve in this area. So, I mean, at least that's there 86% from the free throw line. He's not completely stunned, um, by being in the NBA. The second thing in here is Ken that, uh, like you said, I, I like when players spend four years in college too, but with Buddy Heald specifically, he was completely off the national radar his first and second year at Oklahoma. It took Buddy Heald a couple years to transition to playing in college, and so I think it's only fair to assume that he's the type of player that's going to need a couple years to transition into a new uh, style of playing basketball as well. So those are two things that I like from him. Obviously, getting demoted to the bench is not great, but long term, I mean, we got to think like Devin Booker started off the bench in what the the role that Heald has now and then he was able to kind of like piece by piece realize that you know move into the starting lineup over time and so all hope is not lost but obviously it is disappointing for somebody who had the path to amazing amount of minutes don't worry Ken that's that's we'll agree with at least one of your disappointments <laughs> uh, you know I, obviously if you're in a keeper league you can't bail on Heald but I'm I'm thinking season long I don't know, you know, yes, if you've got a deep bench space, sure, hold on to him, but he's probably going to be a field goal percentage drain the whole way. And uh, to me, it's kind of back to that. In season-long leagues, I just often feel rookies are overrated. I didn't yes. think that was going to be the case with Buddy, but maybe I should have stuck to my rule. Shannon, you have somebody that I thought was being overdrafted this year, um, pretty much all over the place, and that's Victor Oladipo. Tonight, specifically, he does not have a good matchup against the Clippers. Clippers are one of the best teams in the league uh, in guarding uh, guards. Um, But overall, um, were you a little taken aback at how high he was being drafted, or were you okay with that at the time, and now you're disappointed? Yeah, I mean, on pretty much every site, he was valued as like a top 25, or in some cases, top 20 um, player heading into drafts, I was blown away by that. I'm, I, yeah. I, it, it didn't make sense to me that you know he was essentially like 
you know, if he wasn't option 1A in Orlando, he was 1B behind Vucevic. And now he's going to a situation where he's clearly option two. So why is he receiving such a huge bump in value from a fantasy standpoint? It did not make any sense to me. Um, well, those high rankings also sort of implied that he was going to be awesome right off the bat, right? Like, why did they think in a team with Adams and Westbrook and others that have been playing together for so long, suddenly this new guy is going to fit in perfectly? That didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I also couldn't forget about how Oladipo kept bouncing around from starting to bench lineups last last year with the Magic. I think fits a major issue with guys, all those Magic draft picks that are tweeners, you know, that their position tweeners and roles are, are weird. They're, you know, it's it's weird. I actually I like Oladipo as a player, um, but you they he basically is ranked as if he's going to take a, he's going to take over a large part of Kevin Durant's production for that team. And that's just absurd. I mean, Kevin Durant's an all-time player. Oladipo's a nice player to have. Um, the the So far this season, Oladipo's averages are actually pretty close to what he had last year. There are a couple, a couple concerns, though, and the primary one, I think, is assist. He's only averaging 1.6 assists per game this season. Um, steals are also down from 1.6 to, to 0.8. Um, but the assist is troublesome because he's not going to be controlling the ball like did in Orlando. So, yeah. I, I mean, those assist numbers are going to stay low. He's not, he's averaged four per game throughout his career. Uh, you know, given the first eight games of the season and the 1.6 he's currently averaging, I have a hard time believing he'll hit four. Um, you're, you're, you're saying Westbrook's a little more ball dominant than Alfred Payton. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> the, the one intriguing part, and I will say there is a light at the end of the tunnel for Oladipo, and that's two three pointers per game on 40%. Everyone was concerned uh, about his long-range capability. Uh, he was a career 33% shooter from downtown before this season started. So it's nice to see him hitting a couple threes per game at, at, the, at that decent clip. Um, hopefully that continues, and then you'll see his, his overall field goal percentage go up a little bit, assist steals, and he'll be at least as good as he was last season. A player that I'm concerned about, and I'm, I'm expecting to take a little flack from this, and probably rightly so, is Brooke Lopez. Third game of the season, he was held out to rest. Let me repeat that. The third game of the season, he was <laughs> held out so he could rest. At no point this season has he played more than 30 minutes. Although, Shannon, I know your first line of defense here is that, well, look at what he's done during that time on the court. Overall, for me, though, I don't know if, if that's going to be able to, to hold up throughout the whole year, if he's going to be able to produce. I mean, he only saw 24 minutes against the Knicks a couple days ago. Luckily, he did produce, but he's just not seeing the amount of minutes on the court as maybe I thought he would coming into a season where you know he's option one, and then there's not an option two, there's not an option three. You know, He's one, two, and three. Ken, you go first because I'm going to be a little more long-winded. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I defer to Shannon. I know he's a Brooke Lopez fan. I think this is just an excuse for DJ to talk more about Justin Hamilton. But uh, now I will defer to Shannon. Okay. Well, uh, here's here's the intriguing part about Brooke Lopez is his per 36-minute uh, averages are just off the board ridiculous this year. Yes, he's only playing 25, 26 minutes per game. But per 36 minutes, he is averaging 29 points, um, only 6.7 6 rebounds. 2.23 pointers. He's shooting 52% from the floor. I, I think the three pointers is actually the biggest surprise. The three pointers is gravy. Just One, rub that on your chest. Yeah, uh, 1.6 yeah. threes with, <laughs> and you pair that with 1.1 blocks. You give me if if he continues to only play 25 minutes per game and he sticks with these averages, I'm cool with it. I'm okay with it. Now, 
you know, he's still a top 60 fantasy player right now with these current, this current production. My preference would be he plays every game and he plays 30 to 35 minutes, uh, 25. Um, I don't know if that'll happen. I, my question here is why are the Nets doing this? Why are they being so cautious with him? I don't believe he's coming off of off season surgery or anything like that. So that are they weird. just, are they holding him back? Cause they want to trade him later. Side note, you guys want to guess how many career threes Lopez had coming into the season? Uh, nine. Since since 2008, he's had three. Yeah. From 2008 to two, to last year, three career threes. He's already drained 11 this season. And, hell, you know, why not? He's Who else is going to score on this team? I, Go for it. If you've ever seen him play, it's I mean, he can hit. He could always hit that 20-foot jump shot. So it doesn't surprise me that he has that capability. So the funny thing here, if, if, if I'm allowed to talk about Justin Hamilton, <laughs> is what Justin Hamilton had going for him that Brooke Lopez didn't have was the fact that Justin Hamilton was a good three-point shooter. Now that Lopez has actually added that to his game, I don't know why they don't run him out on the court more, and I actually expect Hamilton's value to drop, but for whatever reason, it hasn't. Wait, and so the one, why are you, the one thing why are you Hamilton, saying Hamilton, why is Hamilton going to drop? I'm confused. What? Well, I assumed because like Lopez can stress the court now a little more than he was able able or ever able to do so. So, uh, but they're not running out Lopez at, at the rate that he should be getting run out well, anymore. If they're gonna keep if they're gonna keep resting Lopez, it's got to help your boy Hamilton. Um, but uh, I think owners are still happy with Lopez. It should be noted he's only shooting thirty three percent from downtown right now. Lopez, that is so. So he hasn't been lights out from downtown. It's just nice no, it's to just. It's nice to see that he has the green light. Yeah. All right, who do you want to talk about next, DJ? Ken, we're going to talk about Pau Gasol. And, and most notably, oh. let me just say this, and then I'll let you rip into him. For the first time since 2004, Gasol was healthy and played less than 15 minutes in a game when he just played up against the Rockets recently. Hey, I, I, I like Pau Gasol. I don't want to rip into him. But the, the dilemma with any uh, player... Once they hit their late 30s, Gasol's 36, is when do they hit that that cliff that they drop off of? You know, And you knew that there was going to be some integration issues, and you also know Pop loves to rest his guys. But the, you know, his points per game have been cut in half since last year in Chicago. He's only getting one of the field goal attempts. He's only getting seven shots a game. Uh, which is almost half of what he got last year in Chicago. Uh, it's as you know, you talk about why are they resting Lopez? It's certainly awfully early to be resting Gasol too, uh, especially when you want to integrate him into a new lineup. So I'm more just dumbfounded. I think he's got the exact kind of passing that they love to have out of a big man. So I don't know why he's not getting more minutes. Um, I don't know why his assists are down too, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I'm worried. Has he just hit an old age wall here, or is this just a matter of him needing a lot more time to acclimate with his new teammates? I think he's hit a wall called Greg Popovich, in that Greg Popovich knows they're going to win games with or without him. So um, come playoffs, they're really going to need him strategic, in strategic points, so they need to keep him fresh and healthy. But I tell you what, Shannon, I am so happy that I didn't take him in any of my drafts because I feel like I dodged a bullet here. No, and I agree with you. It, I still, I still believe that Paul Gasol can be as productive as he was last season. If the yeah. reins were taken, you know, if the leash was longer and he was playing 32 minutes per game, but they don't have a need to play him that many minutes. And his per 36 minutes right now, the role, the role he was in with the Lakers, with Chicago, with Memphis, is different than the role he has with the Spurs. They don't need him to carry the offense. 
so his per 36 is down. I mean, 12 shots per 36 minutes, only 13.8 points. Mm-hmm. Will the rebounding, the block shots, those can still be there, but the scoring probably won't ever bounce back to the levels we saw last season just because the team need, you know, unless, unless Aldridge gets hurt or something along those lines. I don't see yeah. him bouncing back to levels he had prior to this year. And, and frankly, I think everyone knew his value would be down some. I got him at what I thought was a great discount in a few of the leagues. I remember one league in particular stealing him really cheap in an auction and the other, my competitors congratulating me for a sweet discount pick. And uh, yeah, and, and maybe, you know, maybe we need to give some credit to Dwayne Dedman. He's certainly putting up career numbers, got very young legs. Uh, you know, I knew they'd be resting Gasol. I didn't expect it to be this early. Yeah, the funny thing there is in that last game when I'm talking about Houston is that Dwayne Dedman saw a season low four minutes. And so for whatever reason, it made sense for the Spurs to deploy a smaller lineup. But you're right, Ken. Like, Dedman has come on pretty strong and been mm-hmm. very reliable. A, a, good a few eight rebound games. Four man's Tim Duncan, Shannon. There's just two caveats I, I want to mention. Um, one, if Aldridge gets hurt, I really think Paul Gasol will turn it up. Yes. And then two, come playoff time, He's going to be averaging double double a game. He's going to play thirty yeah. minutes per. So I, I really think I don't think he's completely out of gas. I think the coach it's just on the coach and trying to manage how much mileage is left. Yeah, I agree. Spurs five and three on the season, but those three losses have come to pretty good teams: the Jazz, the Clippers, and the Rockets. Um, some of your top teams in the West so far this season. Let's wait. Get- the Rockets are one of the top teams in the West. Ooh, 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 Check the standings. Okay. I, I, no, I just want to make sure. I, we have a that, we have a wager on what what was our Rockets wager again? By the way, he's got they got to finish top four. Top four, yes. And I mean, your wagers usually include a pair of shorts, so I'm assuming it's that. <laughs> and a gin and tonic. I think there. I, I had to look that up, but I, yeah, I think it's probably nachos gin and tonic and some shorts or i can't remember yeah we'll figure that out yeah we we will look into those details i just i'm pulling up the standings now and i just want it to be noted that the rockets lead their division um, with a five and three record yep i I would also like to jump in on that because i was high on the rockets i have a 50 dollar bet with james who finishes Ooh. higher, the Rockets or the Timberwolves? I picked the Rockets. He picked the Timberwolves. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. I actually think I might have doubled down on that. I might have uh, got on James as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, so you would have been I, on my side. Yeah, yeah, I was on your side. Okay, yeah. Rockets are good. They can't play defense, but they can put up a lot of points. Uh, let's keep it moving, though, here. Shannon, let's talk about Nikola Mirotic. And when we're talking about a player who seemingly at this point in career his career has been very good from shooting beyond the arc in fact you could argue that's the only thing he does good and on a team that seemingly needs players to stretch the court when you have uh, guys that don't typically shoot threes like wade rondo and jimmy butler i thought that he was going to have a lot of value this year but we haven't quite seen that out of him so far yeah, it's been tough, and I mean, really, it's t- probably probably due to Taj Gibson playing well, earning the starting role, and Robin Lopez we talked about earlier. I mean, he played 38 minutes last night, chucked up chucked up 20 shots, but Mirtich, he, he's he's ice cold from downtown right now, so that's a big part of it. He's shooting 29. percent He shot 39 percent from downtown last year, so I do expect him to regress to the mean there and show improvements, end up in that 38 to 40 percent range again. But even with that, the troublesome part, the, the part that troubles me is really the minutes that he's seen. I mean, he's played 22 or less minutes in five straight games. That That's a problem. He needs to play 25 to 30 minutes, have a green light from downtown to hold value. So, 
it's just tough for me. I mean, his preseason value was top 80 on most sites, and he's barely producing like a top 200 player right now. Do you think that's because of maybe even Doug McDermott coming back? And I mean, Doug McDermott essentially accomplishes exactly what Miritich does is a good three-point shooter and not that good on defense. No, it is very similar, but you'd also think Miritich could actually provide more value with like rebounds mm-hmm. um, and you know mm-hmm. just more size in general. Um, I don't know. I'm confused by him. I, I still think the the upsides there and the talents there, but he really needs to get the minutes. And unless he gets on a roll from downtown, I don't know how that happens. Well, and I know we were dissing Wade's career three point shooting numbers, which were atrocious heading into the season, but. They're approaching mildly respectable, at least. I mean, he's hit 37.5% of them so far. So he's helping them space. For He's hitting 1.3 a game, which eclipses all of his career uh, three-point shooting numbers. But I do want to note about the Wade and the three-point situation. It has trended downward. It has. All, he had and, that and four. I think we're going to continue to see that. Yeah, it was, it was almost like he reached his peak in the very first game of the season. And let me tell you, nobody was more surprised than me as somebody who basically like never really attempted three-pointers at any point in his career to come out and do that. I mean, it, it's in the same line of Brooke Lopez, who had only made three three-pointers. Dwayne Wade did not shoot three-pointers before this year, and now he's being forced to. Uh, maybe he can find an equilibrium point, but, man, he's all over the map. He had two games where he combined to make nine three-pointers. He went four for six and five for seven from downtown in those two games. He's hit three three-pointers in the other six or seven games they've played. I I have trouble believing that the 1.3 average that he's currently maintaining will will survive. Um, if he averages more than 0.8, I think that's that's what I want to put it at is uh zero point eight three pointers per game. I would make a bet on that. Well, DJ, let's move on to picking on the Orlando Magic because I know you've got a player you want to bring up. That's true, and and let me pose this question to you because uh, I'm curious if you could only pick one of these players to have moving forward. Would it be Dirk Nowitzki or would it be Serge Ibaka? Dirk Nowitzki, this might be the season that he falls off the cliff. Already having um, some Achilles, some injury yeah. issues with his Achilles. Serge Ibaka, though, I, w- I was expecting him to be like the focal point of the offense and just kind of finally, for the first time in his career, display what he has uh, on offense. But it seems like Vucevic is going to still be that guy. Ibaka has not done what I was hoping he would, would do. Um, you know, both of these guys have power forward eligibility. If you could only pick one, Shannon, moving forward this year, Nowitzki or Ibaka? Oh, man, that's tough. If, if Nowitzki was younger in dealing with an injury problem, I might still side with him. Um, but because of his age and the injury question marks, I'm going with Ibaka. It, it, it is really, it's a really tough question. I think Ibaka, he's only averaging 1.1 blocks per game, 5.0 rebounds. I believe those are both going to go up. Um, so while he might not be a top 30 fantasy player, like he was drafted, I still look at, I still view him as a top 80 fantasy player with solid blocks uh, rebounds, points. He's going to hit about a three per game. So I'm siding with Ibaka. But if they're both healthy and you could guarantee health, I would go Nowitzki. It's definitely a health issue. I go with Ibaka too because Nowitzki, Achilles are, can be pretty serious injuries, frankly. Also, Ibaka's percentage is still pretty good. He's shooting over 47%, shooting over 83% from the charity stripe, still hitting uh, almost 1-3 a game. And I just think Ibaka is probably going to play 20% more games this year than Nowitzki. Fair as my mic goes in and out. All right, that sounds better there. 
for Ibaka, the blocks have been the most concerning thing for me. You know, the most blocks mm-hmm. he's gotten so far in a game have been two, and he's only and he's done that three times. But for him to have that top thirty value like he was projected, he needs to go out there and have like a five or six block game and just rack him up, rack him up. And he really hasn't been seeing enough time on the court. Um, and on top of that, he just hasn't been doing it. And so he's trying to find his own way in that uh, in that offense, in that defense. So I hope you're right, Shannon, that you know things are going to get better for him. And I, I'll probably agree with both of you guys that I'd rather have a healthy Ibaka right now who's struggling than an old, aging, injured Dirk Nowitzki who we know when healthy he can he can pile up the stats, but we don't know if he's going to be healthy. We it, just don't know. In season, that's a team that can make some trades as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ibaka's on the final year of his contract, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what made that whole trade so dumb, if right. you will. Right. <laughs> so I, I mean, he could even be moved to a a situation that's better for him where he is playing 32 to 35 minutes per game Um, and I still think if he stays in Orlando he will end up reaching those levels they're just trying to figure things out new coach lots of new players it'll work itself out I don't here's another reason I don't get the blocks though Vucevic is a terrible rim protector like you'd think when those two are lined up against each other it's Ibaka's job to do help out down low so why are the blocks not there but let's move on yeah, no, I I agree, Ken. It seems like even though you know it's a crowded front court, there should still be some, should be a way for him to collect some blocks, collect some rebounds, anything. Uh, all right, let's finish it up strong here, Shannon. You have the entire Denver front court, and I think maybe on their own they've been operating okay. But I mean, in terms of fantasy, there's nothing more that we hate more than a timeshare, and that's what we have in Denver. Right. And we talked about this last week as well. I mean, last week we kind of hyped up Nurkic and talked about how well he was playing, how, how he's really putting a ding to, to Jokic, his uh, fantasy mm-hmm. value. Nurkic hasn't played well since last week. Um, he's had a couple games where he only played 13 minutes on November 6th against Boston. Um, and then last night against Golden State, only played 17 minutes. It's, it's just from game to game, you never know how many minutes these guys are going to get, and it's going to be frustrating. So whether you own Nurkic, uh, Jokic, Fareed, I, I don't see it changing. I think it's going to be like that. They're going to jump from 30 minutes to 15 minutes played each game, each of the three of them. Yeah, it, it's tough. And I, I think Fareed has had more value than I thought he would. In each of the last three games, he's had at least 11 rebounds. And in every game he's played so far this season, he's given you at least five rebounds. And that's pretty solid considering there's a couple games sprinkled in there where he only played 16 minutes he only played 15 minutes he's always been such a permanent monster yeah i would would love to see him play 36 minutes game for an entire season you know i think the the, the season along the main hope is is farid and chandler and even gallinari on that roster after the trade deadline you know because that's that could be when uh the young centers shine but that's also a long wait and it needs to be noted i mean nurkic and, and jokic don't play well. They aren't a good fit together on the together. Yeah. So that's that's why the minutes have been so um, so inconsistent for for both of them. All right, let's transition into some Friday FanDuel DFS here. Good job covering the players we're concerned about. Certainly, we'll look for all of those guys to improve down the road. We'll probably check back in maybe in another ten twenty games to see if we're still concerned about those guys or not. I'm going to start off with a hot take. Uh, and, hey, now. Yep, Ken, I think you'll like this <laughs> one because I'm going to talk about, yeah, there we go, uh, the Boston <laughs> front court. They are devoid of Al Horford right now. They've been uh. deploying Amir Johnson. They've been deploying uh, Zeller quite a bit. Kelly Olynyk is back from his shoulder injury, 
and he's only $3,500 on FanDuel. Granted, you have to play him at that center position where you only get one center to go with. But for $3,500 on a team that really needs front court help right now, I think I might make some of my lineups with $3,500 Kelly Olenek, Ken. I mean, that's an awfully nice discount. I, I similarly wanted to recommend Amir Johnson at only 4200 My only worry with Olenek is just health. You know, how much is he in game shape? I don't, is he ready for major minutes? They'd sure love him to take major minutes, but I don't know how that shoulder is. Uh, but, hey, 3500 is so cheap. That lets you get a lot of stars at other spots. Yeah, my main concern with Olenek would have been how much is he going to play in just a second game back. But they ran him out there for 26 minutes in, in the other night. And that was a blowout. That was a blowout loss. So maybe yeah. that's why they played him more minutes. And it's oh, hard. I definitely, yeah, definitely. So, but it's it's also it's a good sign that they were willing to run him out there right, for that much right. run. It, it's tough. It's tough. I I think as a minimum price player, he's worth a flyer. Um, yeah. But it, it just all depends on how many minutes he gets. I'd be surprised if he if he tops what he what he did in that uh, Wizards game minute wise. I just don't think he's in game shape yet. But that is so cheap. What the heck? Good flyer, DJ. I, I feel like last year there were so many times when I looked at the the winning lineup and he was there at center, like giving you a cheap like oh, 32, 33. But because mm. he's so cheap at that center position, you were freed up. And obviously that means you're not going to be able to go with Cousins. You're not going to be able to go with Vucevic. I mean, all those centers on, on FanDuel, of course, Drummond, Miles Turner. But again, Embiid's, you, you Embiid's can, only 5,200. That's true. He might not play tonight. That's still kind of up in the air. I, I don't like that situation at all where we're going into game time not knowing if he's going to be rested or not. That's not fun, especially for somebody like you, Shannon, who you actually uh, compose your lineups the night before the competitions. Yeah, and I, I have Embiid as my starting center on FanDuel. Um, he is one of my favorite plays of the night. The, the current news, and, and this could change, the the, or the Sixers have a back-to-back Friday and Saturday night. Yep. Embiid is resting one of those two games. Okafor is probably going to rest the other. Um, the current expectation is Embiid ex- plans to play on Friday, so he'll be the starting center, um, and then he'll sit on Saturday. Now, that is great. I would prefer he plays on Friday because they're playing the Indiana Pacers who have one of the three worst defenses in the league. Um, if you're playing fan- DFS fantasy, you should be targeting players against the Pacers every time. You know, it's, it's it, people probably haven't picked up on it because it's so early in the season. Um, you know, you had Frank Vogel there for years and they're more of a defensive oriented team. That's not the case. They have no defense in the front court anymore. You have Thad Young, Miles Turner, who can block shots but isn't a very good one-on-one post defender, um, and Al Jefferson coming off the bench. They get just wrecked by the opposing team every single game. Even if Embiid plays only 25 minutes, like we've seen um, multiple times this year, you know the last couple games he, he's really played, he can still go out there and get you 35 to 40 fantasy points. I mean, he had the last two games that he played 25 minutes, he had 38.5 fantasy points and 36.2. Against Indiana, I'm expecting 25 minutes, especially if Okafor sits, and I'm expecting 30 to 40 fantasy points. Well, to Shannon's point, Pacers have given up 21 points and 14.5 rebounds to opposing centers uh, so far this season. Guys, in about one hour, I'm going to go on Fantasy Sports Network, and I'm going to go on there, and I'm going to tell people that they should not be playing Russell Westbrook tonight. He's the only player above $10,000 on FanDuel. And if you're looking elsewhere, he's the only truly elite option tonight. 
and we've kind of hinted at it. Ken, you brought it up before the podcast. The Clippers are the best team in the league at defending guards so far this Shocking. season. Shocking, isn't La- it? Yeah, last time out on FanDuel, Russell Westbrook got you, I think it was 45.7 FanDuel points. If you're going to be paying $11,500, and then I'm looking at other players like LeBron James, DeMarcus Cousins, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, yeah. John Wall, somebody you like tonight, Ken, I don't know why I would pay up for that much when the last time out against the Clippers – his total was something that all those other guys I mentioned cannot only reach that easily, but surpass that. I think you just need to have so many discount gems to pay such a premium for Westbrook. I mean, 1600 more than any other player. Uh, it's just too many risks elsewhere. I mean, hey, Westbrook's great. It's going to fill it up, but it's just so expensive. I need to spread my risk around a little more than that. Early in the season, I became like infatuated with playing these guys like Westbrook, James Harden, Davis. Anthony Davis, because they're putting up these monster 60, 70, 80, 90 point fantasy games that I just felt like you had to work them in. The problem is, it's unrealistic to expect them to continue that sort of production. You know, even in Westbrook's most recent game, he had 36 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, two blocks of steel. That's great. But he also had eight turnovers, and that's a huge ding on FanDuel. I mean, yes, he had 53 fantasy points, but that's that's like you need him to hit 53 fantasy points. And I would argue if you're spending $11,500 on him tonight, you need him to hit 60 or 65. Given his past five games, an average of 44.7 fantasy points, the way he played against the Clippers last time out, 45.7 fantasy points. I agree with you, DJ. I will not start him tonight. All right, I feel good. Even though I might be hitting, you know, fitting Olenek in my lineup, you know, people might come at me and say, well, if you're going to go with Olenek, you should go with Westbrook. And I say, no, that's just going to allow me to have more quality across the board than in just one position. But at point guard, Shannon, let's start with you. Each of you guys got a point guard you'd like to talk about. Jeff Teague is somebody you're going to be trying to fit into your lineup tonight, Shannon. Yeah, again, uh, Jeff Teague, he's, he's, it's an Indiana-Philadelphia game. Uh, I expect it to be a very high-scoring game. Players are going to be highly owned from both. They're actually coming off of playing each other. So Indiana's last game was against Philadelphia. Teague had kind of his coming-out party with the Pacers in that game. He played 41 minutes, 30 points, 2 rebounds, 9 assists, ended up with almost 51 fantasy points. That I, I don't expect him to get 51 fantasy points again. Again. But at 6,300, if he gets me between 30 and 40, hopefully 45 to 50, um, I'm really happy with that, that, that price and 35 to 40 points. I'll, I'll dive in with my point yeah. guard. I like John Wall a lot tonight, 9,000. No Bradley Beal next to him. Satoransky's going to defer to Wall all night. And Kyrie Irving just plays bad D. Clutch player, but plays bad D. Cleveland's given up the second most points to point guards this year, so I, I like Wall a lot tonight. My other big pick I really like, small forward Mo Harkless starting in Portland, going against Sacramento. Sacramento has given up 25.5 points a game to small forwards, which is worse than the NBA, and we know Sacramento just doesn't play much defense anyway. So anyway, John Wall, Mo Harkless, those are my two big names. for I, I really like both those picks, and, and I'm going to piggyback the John Wall logic. It makes me really want to tar- target Otto Porter. Otto Porter, if you look at his game, it's blew up! upward trend i mean of ridiculousness he just had a 68.8 fantasy point game 34 points 14 rebounds four assists three blocks three steals monster game a game he'll never do again zero turnovers zero turnovers he'll never do that again 
but I still love him tonight. He's only six thousand dollars. He had forty fantasy points the game before that. Yeah, you know, I he his his problem is inconsistency. He'll get you ten fantasy points one game, forty the next. So you never really know. Um, but after showing off that sixty-eight point upside. Uh, all the more intriguing at the $6,000 price. I'm going with Otto Porter. With Beagle out, I expect him to have another big game. Let's shift gears and look at power forward. Uh, I don't believe I'm looking. Ken, you did suggest Amir Johnson, and uh, I'm right there with you. He's been seeing a lot of minutes. Last couple games have been shaky, but if you look three, four games back, I mean, he was exceeding his value, and at only $4,200 on FanDuel, definitely worth taking a flyer. Shannon, you have somebody else at power forward that I'm, I'm looking at his price for the first time, and I'm saying, wow, it looks like he could be an exceptional value. Yeah, Derek Favors, $5,900 on FanDuel. You know, you look at the overall season production, 23.3 fantasy points per game, and you probably think, like, well, that's why he's $5,900. I'm not going to target that guy. But come on now. Derek Favors is good. He was like an $8,000 player last year, always between seven dollars or $8,000 or around there. He's starting to round into form. He, he had the knee injury, which basically caused him to sit out the entire preseason. Now he's, he's starting to play 30 minutes per game. He, he played 29 minutes and 35 the past two. He's averaging about 36 fantasy points per game between those two games. I expect we're going to see the same thing. He's, he's going to be a double-double monster now that he's rounded into shape and, and well exceed that $5,900 price point. You know, I want to use the, uh, the favors point to also beat up on the Magic more. Um, everyone thought they're playing a slow pace because their offense is so terrible, but they're actually putting up the 10th most shots uh, in the, in the, in the NBA, ranked tenth in sh- field goal attempts, they just can't make any of them. They have by far the worst shooting percentage in the league, so it's actually not that slow a pace. It's just painfully ugly. Yeah, it, it's ugly. They they <laughs> seem to be one of the the worst teams in the league, and it's not not not, not much fun to watch there. That's for sure. Uh, Ken, I want to talk about one of your Boston Celtics here in Avery Bradley. He's still ah, he's having a great. Great year, amazing. Great year, year. yeah. The most like the biggest surprises of the whole season. Obviously, the fact that Jay Crowder is out and will continue to be out for at least it seems another couple weeks, according to Coach Brad Stevens. I don't know why Avery Bradley is still only sixty nine hundred dollars for somebody that has only dipped below thirty points on FanDuel once this season, and that dip below was still twenty four points. Somebody who's gotten up to as high as fifty one point two and forty. I'm still surprised that he's not in that mid $7,000 range. And so I'm going to be using him for as long as he's in that $6,000 range. He's averaging almost 36 fantasy points per game, Shannon. Well, they need... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm not a believer in his long-term value and, and putting up the type of stats we've seen so far. Uh, currently, he's, just, he's riding a hot streak. He, his shot's on fire. He's hitting 50% from the floor. 44% career shooter, and from downtown, he's hitting 44%, two, 2.73s, which is ridiculous. He's only a 36% shooter from downtown for his career. The volume's there right now, um, 16, 16 attempts per game, 6.1 three-point attempts per game. All of this is career high, and to me, it means it's more of a flash in a pan. He's riding a hot streak to start the season, but... I think that analysis, Shannon, though, that applies more to thinking of him in season long than for DFS. I, you know, short term, Horton's still out. They need his scoring. Um, I think people do ding him offensively just because he's such a great defensive player and that's what everyone knows him for. But he's hot now. Ride him while he's hot and the Celtics need his scoring. I will agree with that. And DFS, ride him while he's hot. Um, I mean, not only the, the career highs that I've already mentioned, 
career high in rebounds. He's averaging three times as many rebounds this season, <laughs> 7.9 as he had for yeah. has for his career. Um, career high in assists, four. That That's double, more than double what he's normally averaged. So, yes, ride him, hot, ride him while he's hot in DFS. But can you guys agree with me in season long, you're trying yeah, to sell high. trade high, sell high. Right. Also, another point, short term, no Jay Crowder still too. So, uh, you're really you're missing two score or two starters, uh, both relied on for scoring in Boston. They're out. So, short term, Bradley. But I'm with you. Yeah, sell Bradley high now because when Crowder and Horton come back, they're just not going to need that much scoring. If I can get a top forty player for Avery Bradley, mm-hmm. I'm doing it today. You know, you're, I've got him in a few leagues. I'm going to start. I'm going to. I'm offering him up. I'm putting him on the block. Do it. Ken, you were so close to making a full episode of pronouncing names completely right, and I can't and I cannot believe that the player you messed up on was your own Boston Celtic, Al Horford, not Horton. Here's a who. <laughs> Did I say Horton? Oh my Horton. goodness! I totally meant Al Horford. Oh, but right. it's an easy one. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for DFS Talk. Somebody, the most abused name on this podcast, (laughs) we've got a quote from. Ken, I'm so happy uh, to see this quote you've got here for us to wrap things up. Let's wrap it up with one of our favorite current players, Gorgay Yang, who said, tweeted out on October 30th, just uh, about uh, 10 days ago, he said, (laughs) opinion is the cheapest thing in the world, and everybody has one. Keep talking and I will do the work. Attention passengers, this three-car fantasy train has hit the end of the line. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.